introduction here. Here's a little introduction to a little conversation in a little world. <laughs> I had a little table, little table with two little chairs, two little Evans of the Kevin and Devon variety. We're on Columbus Ave by Lincoln Center. And within an hour, yeah. we're going to go see American Utopia. For the third time each, right? For the third time each, but never went together. No. We've gone separately twice. Right. You did twice before the pandemic. Yeah. I did once before, and then once like two weeks ago. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> a lot of talking heads for you. We were just speaking about how I was sort of on a talking heads hiatus, but you're sort of on a talking heads binge. Would that be right to say? Or Definitely not a binge. Like, very a few talking head songs are very much in my fall in New York repertoire. Right. I got uh, found a job and pulled up. Okay. Or, like, pulled up especially. It feels very um, running around New York City with the leaves changing for me. So that's given me energy on these cool autumn evenings. But not really a binge. Not much else. Yeah. But I'm excited. You graciously gifted me a book about fear of music today. Ah. So maybe I'll dive into fear of music. Because I don't think I've ever listened to that album cover to cover. No. But it is, in this book, it's interesting. He takes the perspective like it's one narrative. Which it doesn't feel like with fear of music. Because you have a song like Life During Wartime. With the song like Memories Can't Wait and Mind and I Zimbra completely different yeah did we discuss one time or maybe this is a good reflection to go into American Utopia the sort of narrative of the show are the songs deliberately chosen to oh yes and yeah I think there is yeah and I think there is and maybe me thinking about it two weeks ago I think it both stopped making sense and in American Utopia the song Slippery People is the focal point that really solidifies the, this underlying narrative arc of both the movies and, and, the, and the musical. Like, is there a narrative? Not really in either of them. There's no characters or a coming-of-age moment, but there's definitely an inertia and a cadence and a, and a movement towards something that you kind of understand as time goes on I think Slippery People and both are just like as an audience member you're like oh this is really cool yeah. like I understand the rules that they're playing with I kind of understand where the choreography and the music and everything is is happening because up until that in the beginning of any story there's always like okay who are these characters where is it taking place and there's that one moment where you fully accept the rules of the universe and you can start reading that with the back of your with that in the back of your mind so maybe keep an eye out when they play Slippery People. I'd like to know what you think. That's the moment that you fall into it. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to pay closer attention because definitely from here, do I know sometimes a man is wrong to don't worry about the government. I feel like once you get to don't worry about the government, you find your footing again. And you yeah. know, this is a talk, this is a David Byrne show, this is a talking head show, I know where I am. But the introduction's strange because imagine you're someone who's never heard David Byrne before, never heard the talking heads before. Yeah. How do you come into that? What do you expect? You almost expect like some kind of very strange avant-garde art show with the brain on the desk and the mm. movements. Yeah, you, you're right. Like it starts very 
cerebral. I mean, it starts with some of them. Yeah, and you could really get nervous, I feel. Like, what the hell is this? This is weird. Because it's just David Byrne with dancers and backup singers and just very minimal instruments. And you could think, like, whoa, this is a Juilliard... Yeah. senior thesis experimental dance and that's intense I don't know if I'm ready for that but then it eventually it just kind of expands into just joy and um, more classic music just sit back and relax and enjoy the show type something rather than something that you need to think you need to engage with right and now I'm trying to think because that is everyone who describes the show just says pure joy pure happiness and I think that moment begins, at least for, you know, fans of the band that don't worry about the government. But I'd even argue for people who are coming into it for the first time that that transition to don't worry about the government is the beginning of that joy. Which reaches a forefront, and I don't know if he still does this, you probably know from your more recent show, but it's like running down the house when they say that you're allowed to stand up and dance. Yeah. When it almost becomes no longer can you contain it and you have to allow it to explode and express itself yeah it becomes participatory yeah and that that breaking of the fourth wall is kind of important when they talk about when David Byrne continually addresses the audience he's not making a monologue like a character that like faces the stage faces the audience and is like what should I do should I do this should I do that in a typical play David Byrne's genuinely talking to the audience and like wants to have a conversation in this weird way that you can only have at a Broadway musical and then there's the spotlight moment that we talked about in an episode where you said you're in the spotlight for yeah, the... yeah. did you ever find yourself? I did at the very end though at the very end when everyone's clapping oh really? To, um, Roads Nowhere yeah oh, I'm off beat so that, it sticks me in <laughs> I stick out so you can see me well very top white shirt wow yeah. you gotta send that to me I'll have to send you. Yeah, that'd be great. It was very exciting. But it's interesting, too, not to bring it to existentialism and Buddhism, but we oh, must. Oh, please. I was waiting for you to. Applying narratives to life. Kierkegaard, life can only be lived forward, but understood backwards. All narratives are done retrospectively. We don't live a narrative, but we create one because that's what we do. We're meaning-making beings. With, when you go to a show like American Utopia... Are we grasping for a narrative for a story because that's our natural inclination? But then you have an artist like Dave Byrne, such a storied career and so deliberate in everything he does, that you have to assume that there is a purpose for it. Or maybe there's not at the same time, too, with a song like Izimbra, Dadaism, no point to it. No point to it? I'd have to disagree with that's you. That's a bold claim. Yeah, yeah please. that's a bold claim. Respond to that. Well, I mean, he introduces Izimbra in the context that Dadaism came about. I believe, paraphrasing here, was like the 30s, like the late 30s, Great Depression, European fascism, and trying to find sense in the nonsense. Right. And that, that, although the lyrics were completely bonkers and unintelligible, it means something, it means something in a more visceral way Right. That you can't, I guess you can write an essay on it, but you can only kind of feel to understand rather than sleep cerebrally understand it. So I like that intro to Izimbra because I never really fully liked that song. Yeah. And I 
I know they cut it out of Stop Making Sense. I just said I haven't listened to um, Fear of Music cover to cover. So it just kind of missed. But this past viewing on Broadway, I've been going back to Eisenberg a lot more. Right. Because it's just so funky. It's pure expression. It's like Dadaism is supposed to be. It's that we can't have a conceptual sense. So let's have an emotional, physical sense. And that song is physical, emotional. But it's always interesting, too. And Does he mention it in the show that everyone always interprets? Or I think it might be mentioned in that book um, I just gave you. But, like, everyone believes Izimbra is African. Mm. But it's Dadaism. Oh. Maybe the rhythm feels like it has African roots, which a lot of Talking Heads songs do. Right. But, yeah, I guess that... Well, maybe that goes back to, like, the upper white New York elite that like art scene that kind of gets grouped yeah. in with Talking Heads of the ignorance that people bring into Izimbra. Right. Like, oh, it must be some sort of something African. Um, just because that population doesn't, including myself, like, I don't know. I wouldn't know. Yeah. But that, it forced me to ask a question. It forced me to learn something. It forced me to be wrong. But not a single lyric was, that intelligible lyric was spoken that was you know, like a protest song that tries to make you understand something and be a better person. Very clear, folky lyrics, but Izebra does that in a very subversive, backdoor way. Right. Maybe I'm just overthinking of just a purely funky song. I feel like we come to that conclusion, like, with great curve. It's interesting, I was just in a similar place because I'm thinking, we discussed before starting the recording, should we just have a conversation or should we record? Oh. And... When we record, I'm more deliberate with the words that I choose. I'm actively thinking about what I want to say. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because I think in some ways it's a good thing. We're so quick to jump to say something, to respond, to fill that empty space that we say things that aren't significant or we say things that don't really have meaning to get something to fill up that space. Whereas when you're forced to really consider, you're more deliberate, there's more sense, there's more meaning, but at the same time, is it less genuine? Is it more genuine or less genuine? That's interesting. Authenticity, like, I mean, I often wonder where I really am authentic, ever. But so maybe the, like, more deliberate thinking about what you're going to say, because you know that it's going to live on beyond this moment, right? is a little more purposeful, but... There are definitely subconscious censoring that I'm doing right. where I'm not going to like launch into an anecdote about my personal life right now. Yeah. I want to stay on topic when an unrecorded conversation would be much more meandering and, and have more room to breathe. Maybe. Who knows? Like, what if what if I never press play? So, like, well, imagine... So, this screen is dark, right? Yeah. Who knows? Schrodinger's cut. I don't know if it's recording. Maybe it right. fucked up. Maybe I ran out of storage. But now we're still talking like it is recording. So, why are we talking like this? Why are we talking different if we even are? That's interesting. <laughs> That's cool. Let's leave it there. Let's pause the recording if it exists or... Alright, well, is maybe it, it, is, it is recording. Okay. Well, we're going to go see American Utopia. Let's go do it. Maybe we'll see you again, and by say see you again, whoever's listening to this, you're not going to see us, but we're going to see American Utopia. Yeah. We're going to hear it. We're going to feel it. Right. And then we may or may not record something. Yeah. Who's to say? You will ne- we will have a conversation, but you will never know. 
we'll definitely have a conversation, but you'll never know unless you do. And you're about to find out in like a few seconds when this is all edited. But really, no, at it's this one moment, one take. I'll just bring it in, record the whole show. One take. Oh yeah, that's probably illegal.